Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen and shout it louder for the people in the back. The Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast has returned to talk about none other than the fantasy football. Before we do get started, I'd like to extend my sincerest apologies to those of you who are eagerly anticipating a podcast last week. Uh, you can thank Richard Branson and his shoddy company's internet outages for our no-show. But the good news is we're back now and all is right with the universe once more. Uh, if you do want to stay in the loop for all things Denalysis and... I don't know, maybe if the Richard Branson internet lightning decides to strike twice, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Denalysis with the added bonus of being able to follow my existential meltdowns during Arsenal games. Um, But yeah, in case you haven't heard me chat before, I'm your host Dan and I'm joined by the ever-present Natalie and without further ado, let's get into the fantasy team chat. I think it's fair to say that it's been a, a bit of a turbulent week for many fantasy managers, myself included. But how did you get on so far? Well, I say so far. How it's did over. you get on, Natalie? It's over. It's done. It's not It's not great. But I'm really, I'm in such a YOLO mindset at the moment because I don't want a wild card until the international break. Mm. So everything that happened, like last week, um, last week I scored below average, but if I'd got my bench right, I would have matched average. So I wasn't concerned. This week, I have no idea what the average is, but I've done terribly. Um, but yeah, I just don't care. Until the international break comes and the wild card comes, I really just don't care. What is the reason for waiting for the international break? Is it just you've you've set your goals and you're going to stick to them? Yeah, essentially. I just don't want to do enough. it now. I just can't be bothered. Like I don't actually have Dutch time at the moment <laughs> to fuff around with a wild card. So I can't like, be bothered to do it. it. I feel like one week isn't enough time to put together a wild card team. I, yeah, I find the wild card thing really weird at the moment because obviously loads of people have done it. But mm. every week I think about doing it and I'll go through like a really emotional phase where like my team will do badly or I'll have like three or four players. I'm like, I, I want rid of these bastards. And then I'll look at the fixtures they have for like the next three weeks or whatever. And I'll look at the options that I could be getting. And I'm like... I don't know if a World Cup would be better. I, I know I could fix like a few problems, but also it seems to me at the moment like everything is changing week to week. Uh, obviously, Abraham and, and Puki would have been the hype men and, and Cantwell as well last week. And now they had a on paper easier fixture against Burnley. And uh, well, not so much Abraham, he played Liverpool, but like none of them have done <laughs> it, anything this week. And it feels like, it feels to me like there isn't a sort of obvious wild card team that I could I could set and be really happy with I feel like I'd regret getting rid of some of the players in my team but what was your final score and I can tell you that average is 52 points 52 okay I haven't done as badly as I thought I've got 43 yeah now look you want to know the saddest thing I want to know all the sadness I've managed six points with Pope, six points with Dunk, six points with Diop, eight points with Robertson. But <laughs> everything else is where it went wrong. Third on my bench was Kiko Femenia, who has come into my team because Townsend did not play a second today with minus three points. And that's really rocked my defence because it looks yeah. so good other than that. That is and actually not, quite sensational. I'm not mad about it because... Actually, I've got, you know, I didn't expect Diop with a clean sheet and Robertson with an assist and three bonus points. Hmm. So it's actually not terrible, but it's a little bit annoying. Yeah, it's, it's been a very strange one in that sense. And I guess you couldn't, you couldn't have really expected Kiko Femenya 
being last on your bench to be coming into your team. Much like no. you couldn't have expected them to concede eight goals and him to also pick <laughs> up a yellow card. So I, no, I guess, you know, mad, swings and roundabouts. And what else happened in your team, like midfield and, and striker-wise? Because the defence sounds epic. Yeah, really not much. Uh, McNeil and Salah both got assists. I'm quite hmm. pleased with the McNeil assist, actually. It was a good assist. And I, he's actually one of the guys I'm looking at at the moment. I, I really liked his performance. So that's nice. That was a nice little bonus. A little bit disappointed that Vardy didn't end up getting anything because I thought he looked like he played quite well. Hmm. And then Cantwell and Ings, I didn't expect anything. I didn't get anything. Hmm. Uh, Rashford was my vice. Nice. Well, it would have either been him or Salah. So I, yeah. obviously I would have got more points for Salah, but... Yeah, three more points. So it, it's actually not a, a dreadful situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so not absolutely dreadful in the no, end. No, it's actually not, not that bad. It's just that minus three that hurts. Yeah, all things considered, it's actually not that bad. Yeah, and I guess the big miss, right, was the top, well, the second top scorer of this week in De Bruyne, who I did have in my team, and I finished just below the average with 51 points. Really? That's quite impressive that yeah. you managed to not meet average and had De Bruyne. Who did you yeah. captain? Well, Aubameyang. exactly. A captain Aubameyang. So, mm. But he still now, scored. He did, but he got a yellow card and no bonus points. Uh. Pepe got two bonus points, actually, which is strange because I, I didn't... From watching the game, I didn't feel he played particularly well, but also Aubameyang, I did see him lose the ball a lot. So I wonder if that is sort of what what marked him down. Mm. Um, But yeah, it was a weird one because I had going into this week a defence I thought looked pretty amazing. Um, I also, for some reason, decided on Friday night after a couple of beers that I was going to play Angus Gunn instead of Nick Pope. Despite deciding earlier in the week, you know what? Nick uh, Angus Gunn is obviously going to concede like Southampton are going to concede I know I like the team but I'd brought in Musa Gineppo or apparently his name is pronounced Gineppo <laughs> which I feel slightly uncomfortable saying so I'm just going to deliberately say Gineppo okay and we'll, we'll just roll with that for now sure. um but yeah I was quite confident I had like um Kyle Walker so a city defender uh, Van Dyke who I did kind of expect uh, Liverpool to keep a clean sheet. They didn't in the end, but, you know, that's fine. It was a tough opponent. Mm. And Luca Dean up against Sheffield United. And I thought, okay, that's like at least two out of three clean sheets there. And I ended up with none because Walker got subbed off in the 53rd minute and Everton just fell apart against uh, Sheffield United, which was... I would have expected it away from home, but the fact they did it at Goodison Park, it's... It's been enough for me to to knee-jerk Dean out of my team and never want to see him again. Well, uh, given that I gave a passionate defence of him and, and support of him a few weeks ago, it's yeah. kind of mm, not great. Well, something that I think neither of us were aware of, or I definitely wasn't, um, I do have in my notes for later, but why not raise it now? And I actually picked Everton. We did a clean sheet cup in the, in the week over text anyway. Don't worry, everybody. And I picked Everton because at home against Sheffield, I expected a nil-nil. I just went for hmm. Everton. Um, Sheffield United are on a streak of lossless away games. They haven't oh, really? lost away from home for 12 games. Oh, right. So, like, stretching back to last season. Yeah. Which is pretty mad, actually. Yeah. What I would have said would be the most likely result in this game was a nil-nil or a one-nil. Yeah. Like, I didn't really expect it to be high scoring, but... 
that's that's pretty impressive from them. So obviously, if I'd known that going into this, I would have hmm. been like, ah, oh, yes, of course, Everton will be terrible. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, first error was uh, uh, Angus Gunn. I keep wanting to call him Nick Gunn. Oh, just weird. Their names are kind of blending into one. Going for Angus Gunn over Nick Pope, which was stupid, and it was my drunk self wanting to have two Southampton players in the Friday game to make it more exciting. I watched that game. I did think it was a really, really entertaining game, actually, but. Obviously, not a good night for Angus Gunn and the Southampton defence. Oh, especially that bit with the third goal. Yeah. Although at that point, it doesn't really make any difference for you fantasy-wise. It made no difference points-wise. It was already one point from Gunn. And Mm. to be honest, that's the amazing thing. Like, he didn't have to make saves because Southampton were by distance. And maybe we'll talk about this a bit later. The better team in the game. They just failed to, to take their chance. Well take their chances and also made bad decisions in the final third and made bad defensive mistakes. Um, elsewhere, I had Diop coming in off the bench for Sterling. And He's I had such a hero, Diop. I'm He's really, amazing. And I was really pleased for you with Guendouzi, but Diop, hmm. I don't know how he keeps doing it. Twice this season so far, I've had him on the bench and he's come in. He's, yeah, he's sort of like, a lot of other people have Lundstrom and have been playing him on the bench, right? And I know a lot of people have gotten lucky this week Mm. by Sterling not playing and Lundstrom maybe being first on their bench or like Sterling and Zinchenko not playing and Lundstrom being second. I'm very jealous of those people, especially it was like a 91st minute goal as well. So it was right at the end of the game. I think he was already on for like one bonus point or something, but that just completely took it over the edge. Um, in midfield, uh, yeah, Guendouzi, who came off the bench for me for one of Sterling or Gineppo, and he finished on four points. He did get a yellow card, but he was really the driving force behind Arsenal's win today. Uh, Tillemans, who I was quite disappointed with, and Leicester in general, I was quite disappointed with, even though they won the game. De Bruyne, and that was a big mistake I made. I had Sterling and De Bruyne. Because I thought that one of them was going to miss out, I decided to captain neither of them <laughs> and go for Aubameyang instead, who scored, scored a late goal, but he also gave a penalty to Pepe when he's the designated penalty taker and uh, got a yellow card late on, wiping away any chance of him getting bonus points. Uh, Shea Adams and, and Alaire finishing off my team. Adams with the assist and Alaire with nothing, but obviously a big win for West Ham against Man United today. So yeah, all in all, like I did about as well as I could have done. Missed out on on five points from Nick Pope, but it's fine, you know, whatever. Um, just a little bit disappointed. Like looking back at it, I'd convinced myself that Man City against Watford was going to be like a two nil or three nil, and I thought, you know, this new guy, um, matey boy, Kike Sanchez Flores, with his record at Watford before of being quite a good defensive coach I thought oh no they're not going to hammer him are they there's no chance and then 8-0 happened and well, it's their biggest win ever did <laughs> so, he have to deal with Holobas last time he was there I, I'm sure he did Holobas has been there for like a million years mm, interesting um, I do quite like that Holobas is for the season still on zero points despite three or is four starts really? yeah wow it's really that, fun that's an incredible record <laughs> so good he's so terrible like even <laughs> even Kiko is doing better than that and Kiko just got minus just got three me. points the amazing thing is right like Holobas was traditionally quite a good pick it was just the fact that he 
got always yellow gets, cards gets yellow cards and, and sent off. But usually he had enough like goals and assists to at least bring that total up a bit. So that's pretty amazing. I think that's really a, an indictment on where Watford are at right now. They're... I'm so excited to see Watford get relegated. I'd, I can't see it happening. They're I too... think it will. I'm here for it. I might they put, have too I might many put good a bet players. on now. No. Well, the thing is, if you put a bet on now, you'll get crappy odds because they are the worst performing team in the league. Oh, okay. I'll so... wait till Christmas and then I'll do it. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like, it's a long season. I'm sure they'll get better. I'm not. But, At this but... point, I'm not sure they will get better. Decore will... deserves better, but I'm not sure they will get better. Basically, the new manager bounce, it hasn't... It hasn't really happened, has it? They got no. that result against Arsenal, but I think anyone could get a result against Arsenal, apart from Aston Villa. Um, anyway, should we move on and talk about sort of who are the standouts? So yeah. this week you've got you've got to focus on the Man City defenders because they have a nice little run of fixtures. I've got to focus on the Man City defenders because what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> right. So we've got a problem. In that Otamendi was the only defender in FPL terms who managed to stay on the pitch longer than 60 minutes. Their other defender was Fernandinho, is that right? Mm. And yeah. he is not a defender in FPL. Yeah. So this isn't helpful whatsoever. So this week we had who? Mendy, Walker and Otamendi. Yeah. Mendy came off at half time. I was surprised that Mendy even started just because I didn't think he was fit enough to start. I just feel like it was quite weird. It's quite weird if you're going to take him off at half time. Yeah. I, and I haven't heard any more about that, like whether it was a problem or he just came off because Pep had decided he was playing 45. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I assume it's that, but I do think yeah. it's strange. It's it's weird to start a player in that situation, isn't it? Surely you bring them on for like the 60 last... 60 minutes or something. Yeah, exactly. Rather than start them. Any idea why Walker came off? From what I could gather... Because this wasn't a TV game, was it? It was one no, of the 3 it was a PMs, 3 Which is so annoying. I wish I lived in the US just so I could freaking watch football games. The commentators seemed to think it was just a, a sort of... They wanted... To more. switch it up. I, I'm, I'm avoiding saying your least favourite phrase right now. Oh, um, fresh legs. Yeah. <laughs> what did they need fresh legs for when they're 5-0 up already? Oh, yeah, it, it was just weird. And I, I think more than anything, it was a case of Pep being like, you know what, this game is, is sewn up. I'm going to use this as a chance to bring on players who haven't had many minutes. Yeah, which so, is fine. Um, but also don't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was annoying for me because it was like 53 minutes. And this was one of the ones I had down as like a surefire clean sheet. Yeah, for sure. And... I think there are probably quite a few people out there who have fallen on hard times with with some bad luck this week. So, yeah, it is what it is. I think Walker's going to be fine. Like he's he's still going to play probably ninety minutes next week, probably the week after. I think there will eventually be some rotation between him and and guys like Cancelo. But I don't know. There's Champions League. There's EFL Cup or a Carabao Cup to come. Like there are a lot of opportunities for Cancelo to play. I think it's only going to be if Walker starts having a mare, um, which to be fair he did against Norwich, but he he was much better against Watford. Um, I don't think there's any reason for him to drop out. So if you're a Walker owner like me, I wouldn't panic too much. But that said, uh, Otamendi at five point four is probably one of the best value players outside of Lundstrom uh in the game at the moment because 
admittedly he did score a goal which I was not expecting at all and that's another thing that and he's you never expect him to score a goal and then he just does and it's like yeah okay well he was a great pick a few years ago wasn't he where he he seemed to be scoring every game um but the thing is I, I don't want to like I wouldn't advise bringing in Otamendi for his goals because Watford were that bad like Mm. the defending was so so appalling like they just would not react to what City were doing and the fact that they left De Bruyne wide open to receive the ball and take his time to pick a pass and then uh, the first goal that came after like 50 seconds just no one tried to clear the cross or or uh, get a touch on it and it's just it's kind of weird at the moment with Watford I, I feel like that was kind of an anomaly of a performance and I guess 8-0 yeah you're not going to get those every week um, but Ottoman, Ottomendi for value is incredible at the moment and he's one of the players that I would if I was on a wild card or if I just needed to free up some money for a transfer in my forward line he is a good enabler for that sort of stuff so yeah. he is a standout sort of Man City defender at the moment for sure. So at the moment, you're just going to hang on to Walker and assume that everything will be fine. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's not every game that you're 5-0 up after 18 minutes. So (laughs) there aren't going to be those sort of wholesale changes. I think it's more likely that against Everton, it'll be a slightly tighter game um, unless they get a set piece because Everton seem to concede from literally every set piece they they ever concede. yeah, I, I wouldn't be too alarmed by it. And it does very much seem like a, a strong anomaly fixture. But that said, their fixtures coming up are against a lot of goal-shy teams. So it wouldn't even be completely crazy to double up on City defence. But, of course, City have amazing attackers. So that would really be a, a probably suboptimal move in the in the long run. <coughs> Yeah, I think doing that is risky because you don't know who's going to play. Yeah. And yeah, so true. that's that's fine if you have two because then you can kind of guarantee that one of them will play. Hmm. But then that's a lot of money who's going to be sitting on your bench. Yeah. What about Zinchenko? Because I, I forgot to mention him, but like, yeah. what's your opinion on him at the moment? Um, I, I'm going to stick, like, this was one game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he played midweek, so I'm going to stick with... And he's played every game so far. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to stick with him for another week because who knows what's going on. Yeah. Um. How much is Mendy? I was a little bit surprised. I think he's 5.8 or 5.9. Okay. I wasn't watching, obviously I didn't watch the game, but um, I was a little bit surprised that nothing came from Mendy directly in terms yeah. of assists or anything. Well, that's, I guess that's because, yeah, he's 5.9, by the way. Okay. I guess that is because it was so easy to go through the middle. And really, it was all about Kevin De Bruyne. And you think about the goals, like the second one was a penalty. Um, The third one was a free kick. The fourth one... What was the fourth one? Uh, I've got them in order, actually. Who scored Uh, it? Was it Bernardo? Yes, with Otamendi assist. Yeah, okay. So that was from a corner, so a set piece. And then the one after that was also from a set piece, which was the one where Watford were just standing around. And I think it was David Silva played the boot, uh, the ball, the boot, <laughs> played the ball through to a 
think it was Aguero actually, and he put Otamendi, like Otamendi was just waiting at the far post yeah. to tap it in. So a lot of these goals were just, they were just City being really, really sharp and Watford just switching off. And um, yeah, a lot of set piece goals. So it's perhaps not that surprising. And you think of the cross goals as well. Like the first one was across from Kevin De Bruyne. Um, one of them was a sort of pass through the middle that just bounced off of the, the Watford defender and went to Bernardo and he just dribbled through the middle. And then one was an amazing long shot from, well, not long shot, edge of the box shot from Kevin De Bruyne. Um, so it's perhaps not too surprising considering where the goals came from, like the types of goals. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like you've got to, unless he's the one transfer you want to make out this week, like you may as well hold on to him because I don't think this is anything other than a sort of anomaly at the moment. And it's probably a little bit of an overreaction to just like try and get him out, especially for like a minus four. Um, but you would say again, if you're on a wild card, different situation or if you have two transfers maybe it's a different situation because you can get Otamendi in you can save a bit of money too so there is that I think my actual argument would be that ideally you have a strong bench so that Hmm. again if he if Sinchenko or whoever whichever well yeah I guess if Sinchenko doesn't play again next game week yeah then whoever your bench defender is will come in if you need to yeah, you don't want someone disastrous. And I mean, Everton are actually, although they were awful against Sheffield United, and I'm not convinced by them at all at the moment, they do have a tendency to all of a sudden just spring to life in a in a game against a, a big six side. So that is the one thing I'd look out for. Although they're terrible at scoring goals, it's very Marco Silva to just have one performance against a big team that's freaking amazing and then following up following it up with a defeat to a like a bottom half team so you never quite know what you're going to get at Goodison Park um any thoughts on uh, I, I mean we should mention Sterling and De Bruyne and all those lot it's clearly just a rest isn't it it's oh yeah for sure it's just a rest and he'll be back in the team next week and all will be dandy like a- yeah I don't I can't imagine anyone was particularly surprised that Sterling hmm. didn't play yeah. and I do like that if Sterling is rested like that's it. He doesn't come on. But like, mm. I guess unless they're, they're in trouble. Well, that was that was kind of what I was worried about, right? Like the reason I didn't go for Captain Sterling, Vice Captain De Bruyne, or even the other way around, was because I knew one of them would be rested, or f- felt that I knew that. Yeah. But for some reason, I thought the other one would come on for thirty minutes and do nothing. And in hindsight, that that seems obvious that that wouldn't have happened. But then. I didn't necessarily know they were going to be 8-0 up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of like a little bit bummed about that. But at the same time, I, I had a good reason for going for Aubameyang as well because I just felt, you know, it's a home game and it's a situation where, like, I know that Aubameyang will play and yeah. I can just not worry about it. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't work out in the end. Uh, so moving on, we've got Madison from Leicester, who's up to 7.1 and... I mean, I've got a lot to say about about this Leicester performance and and this player, but do you want to lead the chat? But you say you didn't think that Leicester looked particularly good. Yeah. But I liked that Madison looked like he could play football. And also, so as a Vardy owner, I was a little bit disappointed and was like, okay, Vardy, when are you going to do the goal? Um, But actually, from the highlights, it did seem like he was, you know making runs, 
trying to get yeah. the ball in the goal. And so I'm not concerned. With Newcastle next week and then it's just Liverpool and then the horrible fixtures are out of the way, thank God. Hmm. And Vardy can live peacefully in my team for the rest of time. Hmm. But yeah, I thought Madison looked looked good. I think 7.1 is quite a lot of money, but he is someone who I think it might be worth keeping an eye on when they play Southampton and Crystal Palace and Arsenal. Yeah, so the the thing about him that makes him slightly more valuable than the likes of Tillemans and I was going to say Izzy Perez, but he's, <laughs> he's Perez not... Perez started this week. He did, and he wasn't terrible. He had like a, a couple of shots and he did actually sort of assist a, an offside goal. Um, but yeah, like Madison with the set pieces, with... Mm being on set pieces being on corners like he has really good technique and the thing that I think he's really good at is oh and he was their best player in this game I should say um he was sort of the bright spark where everything good was coming from him just picking the ball up and taking it past two or three players uh he he had a lot of success just dribbling the ball into the box but the issue I had with Leicester is they they don't really seem to capitalize on their dominance and they don't really seem to create a lot of good chances and that's the issue I have because obviously there was a disallowed goal for who was it uh Serge Aurier uh where Son was adjudged to be offside and it was literally like an atom on his elbow on his shoulder (laughs) yeah and it was such a ridiculous offside call but you know I whatever like that is the rule so it's fine it it was given but that was the real momentum shift because that would have put Spurs 2-0 up and for what it's worth, like Spurs were not the better team in terms of possession and territory, but Spurs just looked like they could score on the counter. And that's what counts in football. You need to score goals. The issue I had with Leicester is they had a lot of the ball. They didn't really seem to do anything with it. Nothing turned into good chances. Um, even their their shots on goal were like edge of the box from Ayuzi Perez. Um I think they were probably, well, is an outside-of-the-box shot they won the game with. Like, it was a ridiculous long shot from Madison, and that was the only way they were going to win that game because they weren't creating proper chances outside of, outside of long shots. Um, the only exception would be the Ricardo Pereira chance that, that led to the goal. And also there was one where Vardy was running through, but it was quite well defended by, I think... Um, can't remember if it was Danny Rose or Vertonghen or what, but there was someone ru- running alongside him and they just kept up with him and managed to get a block on the shot. But aside from that, like, I just don't think Leicester creates enough and I think they're getting away with it results-wise a bit at the moment because they've played against a number of teams who've made silly mistakes and um, that's that's led to a lot of goals for them. But I do worry about their ability to create a lot of chances, and especially coming up against Newcastle next, which on paper looks like a great fixture, but I could easy, easily see them losing this 1-0 or drawing 0-0. And that's kind of the problem I have, why I, I don't feel like... I feel like Madison's individual performance was really good, but I'm not sure if I'd feel comfortable having him in my team, despite mm. him... The the one thing you can say in his favour is he is always very, very involved and he always wants the ball and he's always taking shots and he's always taking set pieces. So if that is something that kind of comforts you uh, for for an FPL player, then that's kind of fine. But for me, I am just not sure about Leicester's 
actual quality versus their results at the moment. And okay. that's that's a question mark for me. Um, but that said, you know, I have Tillemans. I'm holding on to him against Newcastle because I think that's also what you have to do in the game sometimes. Like, you can't have every single player you want. You can't have a wild card every week. Yeah. Um, and he is in that price range. He is still a decent option, just not one that I absolutely love. Um, on to Liverpool. Firmino is a standout boy right now. Still yeah. only 9.5. I'm sure he's going to rise soon, right? He must do. Because he's been know. consistently brilliant. I, don't, I just don't think people are noticing. Hmm. And I think the way most people have their team but up, like, so you could move Vardy to Firmino. Yeah. If you wanted to. But if that wasn't an option, I don't really know how you do it other than by downgrading, like, Aubameyang or Aguero or whoever. Also, I'm going to get Aguero on my wildcard. I'm fed up of not having it on board. Mm. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I don't know. I quite want Firmino as well, but I can't have all of these men. It's not going to work. Yeah. I, I, I'd quite comfortably say that Firmino would be a better option than Vardy. Um, okay, that is the move that I would look to make. I've agreed to Vardy for the next two weeks because yeah. that's my situation. Yeah. And that's fine. That could, it could turn out to be fantastic as well. I, I think there's not a whole lot to choose between them. It's just a form situation. You know, if I was building a team now, um, I would go Firmino instead. But that said, like, Firmino is really about what are you missing out on by getting Firmino? And do you trust him to keep up this form? Yeah, because I don't think his form is actually that, like, wild. It's not like, oh my God, he's scoring 10 goals a game. And he never will. Yeah, he's not that player. That, that will score 10, but he's so involved in absolutely everything that, that Liverpool do. And really, he's he's been the most consistent. Um, he's only blanked in one game so far this season and nine points, eight points, 12 points, eight points and five points in the other games. Like that is very good value for 9.5. Whereas yeah. Salah's scored slightly more points. He's on 50 and he's got two double-digit returns. Still only really one blank from, from Salah. So there's not a lot to choose between them, but the difference is the price, isn't it? And it's how you can yeah. reinvest that money. My only reservation is that um, after Sheffield and Leicester, after the international break, um, Liverpool have Man United, Spurs and Man City. Hmm. And Man United, I mean, who knows? And Spurs also. Who knows? But like the my point is this that like the run isn't super easy. Yeah. So it's just something to bear in mind. But that is one hundred percent not to say that Liverpool can easily win those games. Yeah, and there's also an Aston Villa game in the middle there. So yeah. it's it's not all bad. Uh, and I mean when I look at Liverpool and City, I almost I take the fixtures into account, but to a much lesser degree. Yeah, for sure. And I think if I look at Man United, actually, to be fair, Man United look pretty solid defensively, uh, despite losing 2-0 today. They don't really look like a team that you can score five or six past. And I, I think I was, I was looking at some stats last week and they had one of the lowest XGAs expected goals against in the league but they'd conceded more because I guess there was a mistake from De Gea in the game against Palace where he let that shot through his hands from from Van Aanholt and there's just been little bits here and there where they've conceded more goals than they'd be reasonably expected to but I do think that uh, 
Firmino, just purely from a, a price perspective, is a very good and safe pick. The only problem I would have is that is a difficult price to fit into your team unless you're like he he sort of has to be the the most premium attacker i think for yeah. you to be able to get the most out of your midfield because i've i've tried looking at myself um tried looking at getting sort of like a, a different team structure by like removing obamiang for someone like Firmino um and getting a bit more money in midfield but the problem with that is i then can't have yeah, I can't have Aubameyang at all. I tried doing a version with Aubameyang and Firmino and it just, it doesn't work. Like you can't really get someone like Sterling and someone like De Bruyne as well without making significant cuts elsewhere. So that's kind of the issue for me. So it has to be a situation where you're comfortable with running with like a a 9.5 striker and not many people's teams are, are really set up for that at the moment. So it is kind of a wildcard move. And... I'm not sure, although I think he's a great option, I'm not sure I'd be really, really confident in sort of saying that is the Liverpool option you need because we know what Salah can do and we know how highly owned he is. And also, I think the clean sheets are going to come back. Like, I know it hasn't happened so much this season so far, but people are starting to get the mindset that clean sheets are are dead and they're never going to happen again. Whereas I think it's more a case that last season was a little bit of an anomaly in terms of how frequent they were. Yeah. But like this Liverpool defence is still very, very good. And when they come up against the lesser teams, I think probably three out of five times they're going to keep clean sheets and they're maybe a little bit unlucky to not have more so far. So I wouldn't get too hung up on the idea that like clean sheets are dead and and your expensive defenders are worthless because there's going to be a point where the meta shifts again people start making new conclusions because of what's happened over the last two or three weeks and with Sheffield United and Leicester next and you know I was just saying about Leicester not creating good chances that's something that I I think those are two games where I could quite clearly see um, Liverpool keeping some clean sheets so we we've got a couple of cheap options and I, I think Lundstrom is one that we should at least mention, but we don't need to go on all day about him. Yeah. Because a lot of people own him already and he's doing very well. He's an out of position um, defender playing in midfield and he's only 4.3 and he's the highest scoring defender in the game. Yeah. Um, so so if you have someone like Kiko Femenia and you don't have Lundstrom, yeah. probably do that. Probably yeah. just switch it. He's a prime wildcard player to get in, isn't he? And I, to be honest, like I've avoided him. Yeah, same. Um, partly because of the fact that I haven't used my wild cards, but also because I look at their fixtures and they're not good. But Sheffield United are kind of just doing it anyway. Like yeah. you wouldn't have expected them to be Everton or keep a clean sheet against Everton, but they they did it. But especially away from home, that was the thing. I, I know you mentioned they have a really great record away from home, but Everton also have a really great record at home. At home. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I think they won six on the bounce or something. So it was very surprising, really. But yeah, if you do need someone who's who's cheap, I mean, I've got Rico. I've had him since the start of the season. Now he's playing and getting points and sitting third on my bench, never featuring in my team. Um, he he is certainly a good sort of fourth or fifth midfielder uh, defender option. Mm. And yeah, one you can just have sitting there knowing that you might get him off the bench and he might do something amazing because of his out of positionness. Um we've also got Alzate who made his debut for New was it Newcastle? Brighton. No, for Brighton. Brighton. 
He was in that game. I was trying <laughs> yeah, to remember. but who knew? Because who the hell's ever heard of this man? Little little 4.5 option that's popped up. Looks pretty good. Um, not really sure how, how prominent a feature he's going to be in that team, but... I mean, after Saturday's game, I'd like to hope that he features far more often. Yeah. But given that Brian's next two fixtures are Chelsea away and Spurs at home, yeah, that gives us a lot of time to sit back and see whether he features again. And then after the break, um, Brighton's fixtures are far more favourable. Aston Villa away, Everton at home and Norwich at home. Hmm. Um, so, and three. all three of those teams aren't particularly great at defending. Yeah, I was going to say three teams that have been conceding the goals. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't know. He's one to, I think he's one to watch. He looked really, really good yeah. um, yesterday. And I think it was, I was so disappointed that Brighton didn't get a goal. Because I think they really, really deserved at least two. They did, yeah. And it was so frustrating to watch. It's, I, it, this is kind of like a, a similar theme with a lot of these teams, right? Like, so Southampton I spoke about earlier. And I, I really, really love the way that they play. And the game against, um, God, how have I forgotten who they Bournemouth. played? Bournemouth. Um, they... To me, like as a football fan watching that, they controlled that game from start to finish, but Bournemouth were just more canny when it came to putting the ball in the net mm. and they scored from a set piece, which I think there was a stat that flashed up and it was like, Southampton have conceded most goals from set pieces and they immediately conceded from a, an Ake header. Yeah. It's, it's stuff like that. And I think Brighton are similar, but they're just more solid defensively where these teams like, they're doing really good stuff, but the quality of player at these teams is not as good as obviously your Liverpools and your any of your top six teams, even Everton and um, Everton and West Ham and, and the likes of those guys, even even Burnley to an extent. But like they're doing really good stuff. They're playing really positive style of football. And I think with Brighton, it's even particularly impressive because they're very much not used to that and they've yeah. got quite a few new faces in there um but they've transitioned to the new style quite well they had something like 71 percent possession against newcastle mm. but they really struggled to turn it into goals and i think that's got to be something that over the course of the season with both southampton and uh, brighton you're going to start seeing the players get into grips with the way they play a bit more and just making better decisions because the problem I had with Southampton in particular, every time they got the ball near the edge of the box, there'd be a pass out wide on and they could, you know, create an angle and cross it in and, and maybe there'd be a tap in, which is something that Man City do so well, is they're always looking for a better angle for someone with a, 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 in a better position so they can set someone up for an easy tap in. And Southampton, rather than looking for those those um, overlaps, they were just taking a shot from outside the box. They ended up with 27 shots, 26 shots. Yeah. But so few of them were actually good shots. And, and they really just needed to be at times a little bit more patient and just try and work the opportunity rather than you've got, you've got a good position, you're putting them under stress and you blow it by kicking yeah. it into the stands. So I think there's a similar situation... Who's uh, Mope or Mopai? I don't know how you say his name. Yeah, no one seems to be sure. Yeah, he, I think he's French. So I think Mopai probably seems about right, I guess. Um, oh, who knows? But yeah, he he looked really impressive. But he, 
I mean, he was a bit selfish. He had probably the best chance of the game where he could have just laid it off to, to the player who's to the left of him. I think it might have even been Alzate that was there and it would have been an easy tap in, but he tried shooting for himself. And it's just little things like that. Like they need to improve their decision making, but in time they will create more chances. I mean, Salah ignores Mane a lot, but the difference is they score way more goals than Brighton. Um, so just yeah, a word... Oh, yeah, sorry, on. just a word on Southampton. Also, I was going to put um, Ward-Prowse in this bit because I thought he looked quite good. Obviously, set pieces, he is 10 out of 10. Um, but Southampton's fixtures for the next however long are really, really horrible. Hmm. So actually, I would not advocate any Southampton players. Yeah, I, I feel slightly differently, partly because they're exactly the kinds of team... You, you know, like how... Um, so this is part of the reason I originally was going to start Nick Pope this week was because Burnley against Norwich is a very different different game to Man City against Norwich in the the way that Burnley play like they are very very solid defensively they're confident defensively they know how to how to control situations defensively because they're just so used to doing it it's yeah. it's such a big part of their game Man City, on the other hand, and this is the trope you always hear about Man City, is if you can get at them, they don't know what to do. That's because Man City is so used to having the ball all the mm. time. They don't really need to do a lot of defending. So their their idea of defence is just picking the ball up when the opposition clears it. But they struggled against Norwich because rather than Norwich just booting it up the field, they would play quick passes around uh, City's press when they were trying to win the ball back quickly. And... I guess City just weren't ready for quite how good they were going to be at it. If you look at Burnley, they actually pressed very high on on Norwich and gave them no options whatsoever. But also they had the confidence that knowing if if Norwich did get past, they have the defensive quality to to stop them scoring. And I think there's a similar situation with Southampton going up against teams like who do you say it was? Um, oh, I don't know. Sorry, I've had it. Spurs and Spurs and Chelsea. So Spurs really, really struggled against Leicester when they were being pressed high. Like, and, and this is the thing that, you know, I do want to praise Leicester to an extent because I thought they were great at putting the Spurs players when they were in possession under stress and making them lose the ball. The problem was they just didn't really do anything when they got the ball. Um, but Spurs really, really struggled to play out. And, and it was only one or two times when sort of Leicester made a mistake, particularly for the goal where Sayuncu just steps forward for no reason and leaves acres of space for Kane to run into. Um, but yeah, like Southampton, the way they play, they just constantly harry the opposition. And if they're going to do that to Spurs and Chelsea, I think it's likely to cause problems. They're amazing at winning the ball back. The amount of times they got the ball back from Bournemouth in really dangerous areas just by having three or four players running at them in their own sort of half. Mm. Um, it, was, it was genuinely like quite exhilarating to watch and really, really exciting. But I think the problem that, that Southampton have is they play, because they do that, it's such a high risk, high energy style that if you do get caught out once, you're a goal down and you have to work even harder to keep trying to create those those transition opportunities. Um, but yeah, I just think that they're, they're a team that are going to get chances and they're not going to struggle against big teams, but they still might lose. So I, I do think if you're looking at midfielders and strikers, there's certainly some value in, in Southampton and Ward-Prowse I would not necessarily shy away from. 
I just understand that they're kind of a risky pick at the moment and it it would be a very much a a differential thing. And I'm kind of backing them to, to get some good results in the next few, but we shall see what happens there. Um, Okay. So that's through, we got through the list. Honorable mention for my main man, Pepe down to what? 9.3 now. And he scored a penalty today and got two bonus points. Remarkably. What a legend. Oh no, he's 9.4. He's, he's not dropped yet. Ah, that's so annoying. Um, yeah, Arsenal are looking really bad. It was possibly the <laughs> the worst I've ever felt after Arsenal and winning Arsenal a game. Win. Yeah, because it was so bad. Aubameyang is still incredible. Like he he is hands down winning us games time after time. He let Pepe take a penalty um, of his own accord. Him and Guendouzi sort of just took the game to the opposition in the end and. I think Willock was really good when he came on. Honourable mention for Saka, who got his first start, but unfortunately when Maitland-Niles got himself sent off, that meant that he had to come off. He was the, uh, he was the full guy for it. But um, yeah, Arsenal look so, so bad at the moment. And the failure to control the game at the Emirates against Aston Villa, it wasn't until we went 2-1 down, we made some attacking changes and then started looking good. But... At the moment, it feels like Emery has this tendency to just put out a shit side with guys like Shaka in it and uh, just no dynamism, no pace and go a goal down or go two goals down and then bring on some positive subs and start controlling the game and putting the opposition under pressure. And I just, I, I can't understand why he doesn't do that from the start and, and really try to impose the attacking football that Arsenal play. Because every time we're desperate, we look really, really good. But there's just a lack of focus on that. So from a fantasy perspective, I really wouldn't be looking at anyone from Arsenal apart from Aubameyang. And even he feels like a risk at the moment. But I have, I have personally decided that I'm just going to stick with him for the next few weeks because we do have good fixtures. And Aubameyang, despite... Arsenal and despite Emery's insistence on playing the likes of Shaka and playing this slow brand of football he just keeps scoring and he's kind of dragging the team over the line constantly and when he does score he tends to get bonus points obviously didn't happen today in a slightly slightly crazy situation but um I think he has got to be a really good pick going forwards and it's just if you can put your faith in that slight more wild card selection knowing that they they do have some some good fixtures on the horizon um Bournemouth also worth a shout because Callum Wilson just keeps on scoring he hasn't blanked at all this season yet I think him Aubameyang and Aguero are three players who haven't blanked at all yet am I right in that that sounds like that sounds correct in that those three haven't but I yeah. don't know I, I guess wonder if there's no any else. more anyway yeah, Callum Wilson, what, he's down to like 7.8 now. And again, it's one of those where it's just an awkward price point. But he just seems to score every week. And he was terrible in the game against Southampton. He didn't get a sniff. And then Angus Gunn came and ran out and, and gifted him a goal. So, yeah, he seems to score by hook or by crook. And it just doesn't matter. What do you think about Chris Wood? He's 6.2. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, it's it's hard for me to think about because I'm like, I'm not going to wildcard, but I'm wondering if he could have a little purple patch now because it was Barnes who started the season so well. Mm. Woods has been getting chances. He just hasn't really converted any yet. And they do have 
fairly favourable little run of fixtures. Yeah. You'd have to get rid of someone like Pookie or Abraham, though, wouldn't you? That would be the thing, right? Like, Um, you'd have to get rid of a highly owned player to bring him in. Yeah, I mean, but that's fine if hmm. that's what it, Wood's only 6.2. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's so cheap. It is quite cheap. If I only hadn't lost all that money on Danny Ings, I could bring Wood <laughs> back in. Um, actually, I might be able to do that in a wild card. But yeah, um, yeah, I think him and Barnes, like, if you have Barnes, don't switch out to get Wood. Yeah, obviously. yeah. It's, it's not dumb. good to play that game. That's a bad one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think barely fine. But this is kind of the reason why I have McNeil now. Yeah. So I probably won't get either Barnes or Wood again. Now I have McNeil. Like, there's no. I wouldn't have all three. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have two. It's not worth it. I wouldn't um, feel comfortable with a double up at all. I no, I don't. Think, I just don't that. think there's any need. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely. If you have a Burnley-shaped attacking like, hole, that is a great price. And the the point five that you save. The question is, like, can he keep it up? Because I. I was saying he's had chances. He's yeah. been a little bit unfortunate not to score. I mean, even, yeah. even against Liverpool, he had a few chances. And he's definitely not a bad player yeah. or a bad striker in any by any means. So. Yeah. So he's just one, maybe if you are wildcarding soon or, or now, he's one to sort of keep in, in your mind as someone yeah, who sure. could fill that, fill that gap if you're a little bit short of cash. Um, okay, shall we move on to looking at the high scorers in the Denalysis Domestic League? Yes, I was so sad that we... Well, actually, we wouldn't have known by this point last week. Yeah. <laughs> but game week five. And also, I'm really sorry that I didn't um, look at who was top of the league last week. I think it was Stig Stevners, but I can't be certain. So, a pulse. Looking at the top scorer was all I felt like I needed to do and mm. forgot about the other bit. Uh, last week's top scorer was... Dan's mum. Yeah, none other than my <laughs> goddamn mother. I don't understand. I don't it's understand. It's so mad. My friend Jamie has been having a very nice time and he was joint 75. I can't remember who it was. It was a another lady um, who also scored 75 points last week. Yeah. And I was like, that's got to be it. That's got to be the highest. Lo and behold, I flicked through the pages and there she is, Denise, with 76. And I thought, wow. It's genuinely unbelievable. She has no idea what she's doing, but she has Mane, Firmino and Salah. That's the beauty of it. Like my, my best seasons, really, before we started doing this podcast, my best seasons were the ones where I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Because you just don't think about it. And you're like, oh, I'll pick this man. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. You can overthink transfers and you can maybe you can make too many transfers because you feel like you know something's going to happen. Or like there's all these things that come into play when you yeah. play more, quote unquote, seriously. Uh, but this week's top score, I'm just double checking because I think all of the points have updated now. Yeah, they have. Is Jordan Heyman, who played his wild card. Jordan, I'm assuming you're a man and not a girl, but that I actually have no idea. Yeah. Um, but we like to make assumptions on this podcast. Um, 107 points. That is absolutely insane. And you know what's even more insane? Is if Jordan had played Fabianski instead of Pope, could have had an extra two points. Oh, my days. <laughs> Isn't it nuts? Uh, and not only that, if Jordan had captained Bernardo Silva instead of De Bruyne... Could have had even more points. Damn. What does, what does this guy or girl know with the uh, Bernardo Silva move? Bernardo, Otamendi and De Bruyne. Yeah, isn't it nuts? I like this team though. Bernardo, De Bruyne, Mane, 
Abraham Aubameyang Firmino. Like, that's, that's crazy. The one that boggles my mind is Fabino. Yeah, uh, that's just a cheap one, isn't it? Like, there are yeah, but plenty of, of enablers all... in here. Think of the other cheap men. Yeah, could have gone for Gwendizi. What a great guy. <laughs> Assist today. Legend. Well, for this week at least, uh, yeah, it's I'd, a solid wildcard team. I'd feel genuinely terrified, like, running with that team for more than two weeks. You know what I want you to do? Is I want you to tell me who Tamori is. Uh, he's like a youth product from Chelsea. Because naturally. I've never heard of that man before last week. Yeah, he's, you know Chelsea have this like endless list of guys that are just permanently on loan. Right, and they've had to recall them and, all because they can't do transfers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's one of the guys. And he's, he seems to be starting every game at 4.5 for a Chelsea asset. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to keep another clean sheet, but it's, it's good in principle. Or in, oh, is he a defender? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a, a central defender. Oh, I had no idea. I would like to thank San Antonio Jeff, um, who rated us five stars. On oh, what legend. The old Apple. Thanks so much. I'll actually read you San Antonio Jeff's uh, review. I do love the podcast and I'm a bigger fan than Cavi. Cavi, who you'll all recall, uh, left us a review a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Mention me on the next episode. Oh, wow. What a legend. You know, yeah, let's do this. Let's I'm do sorry, this. Jeff, you've had to wait an extra week uh, for this next episode. But here you are. Here it is. Uh, and here we are. San Antonio Jeff is my new favourite person <laughs> in the world. Let's do this. Like, if you, if you rate our podcast five stars and give us a review, we'll, we'll definitely give you a shout out. I mean, we Hell's, have been. Yeah. That's just what we've been doing. Yeah. But, but, um, but let's encourage it. Let's encourage more of this. Yeah, of course. This is a great positive behaviour and I love it. Awesome. Oh, uh, and the league leader. Oh, oh. Mikey McLeod is on 413. Oh my goodness. What is happening? Mike, surely it's got to be Mikey. Uh, yeah, let's just say it's Mikey. I was really excited about Stig. First. I was more excited about Hamish. Hamish has been here from since day. Yeah. Oh, I know. I appreciate. I appreciate everyone. I just ah, oh, there's so many changes. I don't no, know how to react. No, that's it. It's definitely Mikey. Okay. Well, Four, congratulations. One, that's nuts. Are you all right, hun? How are you doing this? <laughs> how are you doing this? Can you come on our podcast oh, and tell Otamendi. us how you're doing? That's it? how. It's Otamendi, yes, man. It's... How is Otamendi showing up, dropping a 15 point haul? After last week's shenanigans, I just, I don't understand it. No, me neither, it's mad, isn't it? Before game week seven, we have some very fun and excellent uh, League Cup fixtures. Oh, God. Now, you can assume that probably the players in your team will be fine. But if you want to not risk making transfers until Wednesday's games are over, the teams playing in the League Cup this week are... Brighton, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Everton, Leicester, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Sheffield, United, <laughs> uh, Southampton, Watford, West Ham and Wolves. Yeah, yeah. realistically, I, I don't know how many of these teams are going to be playing their first teams. I suspect... Well, I guess like Brighton, Sheffield, United, Watford. Mm, maybe Watford purely because they, need, they just need a win. Yeah. Um. It's it's a judgment call, right? It's like, is someone going to rise and do you need them now? Like, yeah. it's always a, a, a yeah. risk. 
uh, risky situation. But but I feel like it's our duty to just tell you that these games are happening. Yeah, in case you didn't realise. And you also missed um, Arsenal from here. We're playing on Did Tuesday. I? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You know why? Because I think it was the first one in the list. Yeah. And I just missed it off. That's why. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we played a full strength side against Nottingham Forest just to, you know, keep the lads... <laughs> Keep the I'm sure confident. Saka will play. Yeah, I, I hope he would. Uh, Maitland-Niles will be... Yeah, actually, that's a point for Ainsley Maitland-Niles owners. Um, and Saïs owners. And Saïs, yeah. It, <laughs> I'm sure there's loads of I'm you. sure there's loads, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of Maitland-Niles ones. Firstly, what are you doing? You probably shouldn't own him because Arsenal are going to keep conceding a million goals a game. But... Uh, he will be available for the United game because he'll serve his red card suspension in this game against Nottingham Forest on Tuesday. So, Also, for any um, long-term fans of the podcast, I will be resurrecting Yellow Card Corner oh my goodness. soon. <laughs> I thought about it today and I thought, nah, not yet. We got, but yeah. I think... I think Lewis Dunk is on three. Anyway, uh, let's look at game week seven, get a quick little look at what's ahead and who we're captain in and, you know, all that, all that good stuff. Mm. I haven't looked at the fixtures yet, apart from seeing the Arsenal is on uh, the, uh, the Arsenal. Is the on Arsenal. Monday. Love it. Uh, I haven't had a look, so I'm quite excited. Yeah. So oh, I know that all of my players for my team next week are playing away from home. Yep, that's pretty much the same for me. I think I've got Excellent. one at home. Um, Good. So, yeah, uh, this week just gone, I had every single one of my players had a home fixture. And this week it's all away, apart from Tillemans, who's playing at home. Uh, that's not ideal. I don't love that. It makes captaincy kind of weird because you don't have that extra sort of, oh, yeah, but he's at home, though. Um but I'm just rolling with Aubameyang. I'm just going to keep it on him. I mean, it, it gives me the benefit of having my captain play last. And I don't know, I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were just talking about how if they left the, the captaincy on one player the whole time, they'd be like 20 points better off. And I'm like, I might just do that for a bit. Yeah, I don't know. Aubameyang seems to be quite reliable. And the fact that he is pulling this team over the line constantly kind of makes me feel like he's a he's a good one to go for even though i said earlier that man united's uh united's defense is actually kind of quite good uh i do want the monday night game and i think there could be a few surprises for city in the everton game i don't think it's got to be anywhere near what happened against watford uh last week or this week just gone so mm. we got an early kickoff sheffield united versus liverpool i've just brought in oh, andy so robertson can't you can't captain you're not allowed to it's against the rules the official rules uh, I've I've gone back to my original like start of the season setup where I've got two Liverpool defenders and I'm absolutely stoked about it. I feel like the clean sheets be coming and uh, it's going to be great. But yeah, this is away from home for Liverpool. So a little bit of a tricky fixture, really. I, I, I think even aside from the early kickoff, the fact that it's Sheffield United who have shown themselves to be really, really solid defensively and... Um, pretty good going forward as well i i think it's kind of a a good one to not captain a liverpool player that said if you're following the old reddit post idea of captaining the same player for every game maybe you'll have to fortunately we do have a bunch of 3 p.m kickoffs you know what i feel so blessed after having mm. three three o'clocks this week which was nice when i put my little accumulators on and didn't win any of them yeah. 
But we do have a load of 3pms this week, which I'm really looking forward to because it, it was horrible. I hated having four games on, on Sunday. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Also, you know, they were all in London. Oh, really? I didn't notice yeah. that. Anyway, uh, yeah, a bunch of 3pms. Aston Villa versus Burnley, Bournemouth versus West Ham, Chelsea versus Brighton, Crystal Palace versus Norwich, Spurs versus Southampton, Wolves versus Watford. Come on, Natalie, where are the, the funky fixtures here? Um, I quite like the look of Chelsea Brighton. It could um, be fun. Could be fun. You, yeah, you're um, bringing in Abraham, right? I am. Uh, Rashford needs to go, and he's injured now. I can't be bothered with faffing around with that anymore. Um, so that's my primary transfer is is Abraham in for Rashford. Hmm. So I quite like the look of that. Um, Norwich against Crystal Palace. I quite like for Norwich, not for Crystal Palace. Oh, but the main the main one here. The Heaton versus Pope Derby. Hmm. That is a big one. That's a big one indeed. I've, um, for some reason, I put Angus Gunn in goal again about, <laughs> about an hour ago. Why? What are you doing? Because in my mind, I was like, well, I've already fucked it up once. I may as well put Gunn in again because I, I, I've done that for most of the season and it has actually worked quite well. So I'm wondering, much like the captaincy thing, maybe I just keep him for a bit and maybe he'll make loads of saves against Spurs. Maybe. Um, I'm quite conflicted about uh, Heaton and Pope. Hmm. I not I, At the moment, I have Pope in. But I don't know. Like, Villa at home, like, and Heaton's been playing fairly well, I think. Yeah, and I'm thinking about style of play. Like, it, it, it's, it's the sort of team that plays almost a similar brand of football to Burnley that could mm. cause them problems. Like the teams they tend to do well against are the ones who play more sort of flowing football. And Aston Villa, I think, have a little bit more aggression about them, a little bit more physicality. So I do think that Pope will probably concede in this one. So I, mm. I'd maybe look at Heaton just for the home advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it should be a good game though. Yeah. And Bournemouth West Ham, I quite like for goals as well. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to have to play Diop because he is now my husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that's that looks quite exciting, especially I, because Bournemouth can't keep a clean sheet. Yeah, and they, they've their last four games have all finished three one, so they oh. they lost three one twice in a row, and now they've just won three one twice in a row. Okay, which is let's go weird as hell. Um, this does look good though, and I think West Ham are actually looking really, really impressive at the moment. They had a good result against United earlier. United are terrible at creating chances, um, even worse than Leicester, in my opinion. But, like, they they look really good. I, I think their squad looks really, really balanced now. And of all the teams, like, I know there's a lot of focus on Leicester being sort of the team that challenging the so-called top six. Mm. But I actually think West Ham are the ones to look out for. Everton are, are nowhere near it at the moment. They're just way too inconsistent. West Ham, when they're playing lesser teams, they they just get the result. And um, with, admittedly, quite... they did fail against Aston Villa on Monday, so I'm contradicting myself there. But It's quite interesting with West Ham, though, because um, they haven't really made many personnel changes yeah. to the squad yeah. from last season. 
I think they've had basically they've gotten all of their injured players back. So mm. Lanzini, Lanzini is Yarmolenko. a massive one. Yarmolenko, uh, also Fredericks, who spent the majority of last season now injured, and he was a new signing. It led to um, Zabaleta having to play a lot, and he's like thirty-five or something. Mm. Uh, but also signing Allaire has been massive because although he, he didn't score today, um, and he didn't really get many chances, but you know, as I said earlier. Man United are actually fairly good defensively. Um, but the way that he plays, he's he's very physical. He wins every high ball that comes to him. And it's just the right sort of player. Like they had Arnautovic who wanted to be the fancy sort of technique guy who could take people on and perform one in every 10 games and then throw a hissy fit because like he wants to leave for China. They've just got someone who can be their focal point of their attack and who's good in link up but actually wants to be there as well and there's a, a professional a professional player in the sense that you know he takes his job seriously would so, you still recommend getting Alair in um I, I'm backing him quite quite hard like uh, I think the the thing is right like so many people have gone for Abraham so many people have gone for Pookie and outside of that who else is there I mean Barnes is another popular pick uh, I guess Vardy as well I can't say to you that Haller or Allaire will outscore all of these guys for sure. So I wouldn't be like, hey, you need to get Abraham out. Now he's playing Brighton. But I, I do think he's a really, really good option. And this game in particular should be a bit of a goal fest, considering both teams are not 100% defensively. Although I would say West Ham have definitely improved. Um, for sure. They, they, they just look better at dealing with troublesome situations now and uh Diop and Ogbonna I think as a, a partnership have really taken it to the next level which is strange because I think Ogbonna was quite bad last season and uh Balbuena came in and made things better for a little while but it's it seems to have switched the other way now um so yeah I, I think Ale is a, a good one to look at but it's really about the eye test like if you've if you watched the game today, how do you feel about him versus someone like Puki, who it should be said still got a great chance against Burnley, and it was just a great save from Nick Pope to deny him. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for that game, Chelsea Brighton. Obviously, there's a, a potential for an Abraham captain there if you're if you're backing him to go big. But what do you reckon about? You know, that's a tough one to call because Brighton are they still maintain that defensive solidity. You're you're bringing Abraham in? Are you? Are you? I don't know if I'll captain him. I think is I think if I mean obviously if Sinchenko doesn't play again, hmm. uh, it'll be Dunk is the one who has to come in because obviously I'm not playing Kiko. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, um, understandably. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether I'd go as far as captaining. Mm, yeah, it's hard to say, and I find it quite hard to judge Abraham at the moment because. And I would have spoken about this last week if we if we managed to do the pod, but his goals against um, Wolves, like they all came from quite bad defending or from defensive mistakes. I think right. two two of them were from Wolves players tackling the ball into his path while he was standing in the middle of the box. And he had a great chance today against Liverpool to score, actually. You probably should have scored it, but it was a good save from Adrian. I'm a little bit unsure at the moment I don't want to get too carried away by the fact he's been doing so well in terms of his goal scored I think it might drop down a little bit he might struggle but he also does you know for his price he he's also doing brilliantly so I don't want to completely like put people off him or or try to do that because that would be disingenuous I'm just um 
I feel like he's been getting a little bit of the luck at the moment. And I mm. wonder if that can continue longer term, especially when they're coming up against teams that, that are strong defensively because Wolves at the moment just look a bit all over the place, which you wouldn't have expected. And I guess Wolves versus Watford is an interesting one because it's two of the current worst teams in the league in terms of their performances. Um, yeah, although I feel like Wolves haven't, like in comparison to Burnley last season with Europa, I feel like Wolves haven't been n- that noticeably bad. I don't know. I haven't watched any Wolves That's games, it. so I, I don't haven't, know. I haven't but... seen a full game from Wolves yet, so it's really hard to um, to comment on, on how they've been playing. But they are second bottom, and they haven't won yet this season. Mm. So okay. you, do have to, you do have to question, and they're really struggling for goals, I think. And that, coupled with their... Uh, tendency to get a player sent off at the moment is is not boding well I mean, it should be an interesting one because there's a chance for one of them to to get a win well to get off the mark with a win and hopefully take that forward uh I spoke about Spurs Southampton earlier that's one I'm really really excited for I'll probably watch that out that and Bournemouth West Ham are the two that I think look really exciting with the three o'clocks um Everton Man City late kickoff captaincy Starling I'm going to have to, to be honest. Yeah. It's the only option. I don't love it. I don't love it. Oh, but... I don't like it in the slightest, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, and I don't know why. I'd... Because also we must remember that my team is YOLO for the next two. Yeah, totally. I really don't care. Totally. Um... And Sterling's got to be a popular pick, right? Like, people are still going to go for him. I think Aguero will, will probably be the runaway, actually. Oh, I really want Aguero. For a lot of people who have him. Um... Oh, there may be Salah. The fact that they're playing Sheffield United, who are like a yes, but Sheffield quote unquote lesser team. They are, but but I think most people will see Liverpool versus Sheffield United or City versus Everton, and they'll go, yeah, I'll go for the ones playing the promoted team rather than the the supposed top six challengers. I don't know. This looks like this looks like a little bit of a tricky game, even though you know I said earlier Everton have been performing pretty poorly. It's just exactly the kind of game they show up for because it's easy to get motivated when you're playing the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league and you're at home and you've got the crowd cheering you on and you feel like you can cause an upset. I feel like that that does make a big difference. Um, but I still, I, I definitely don't think Sterling is a bad captain choice, much like I don't think De Bruyne or Aguero are bad captain choices. They're mm-hmm. never going to be really. Um I just wonder if this is a good week to look for a differential like an Abraham, like uh, a striker for uh, Pookie, maybe. I mean, I, I still think Palace are very strong defensively and that's going to, much like the Burnley challenge, it's going to be tricky for them. But it's, it's maybe when you could get away with taking a, a cheeky differential pick. Maybe Leicester versus Newcastle, maybe a little Jamie Vardy pick, 4.30 on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I don't dislike it. I actually think I might have vised him. Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one because it's exactly the kind of team that Leicester could hammer, like 3 or 4 nil, or they could struggle to score against and Newcastle could nick it 1 nil. So I, I, mm. I do wonder. I do wonder. I probably wouldn't... The only player I would captain from this fixture would be Vardy, and I don't have yeah, him. Yeah, sure. I, I wouldn't go near like Tillemans or anything like that because no. that would just be too crazy. And then we have a Monday night Man United versus Arsenal Old Trafford, which is great because it means I get to wait until Monday for my weekend to be ruined. Um, a post hoc weekend ruiner, 
That's great. Aubameyang for me, it's done. It's locked in. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, but uh, regular podcast listeners will be aware that I've been going on about how I was going to drop De Bruyne for Pepe. I think I'm probably not going to do that just yet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he did score quite well this week. I, I, I'm not ready. I haven't seen the performances to justify it yet from from Arsenal or Pepe. But he has got his goals. So there is... You know, if I was feeling really optimistic or if I had like four beers on Friday, maybe I'd <laughs> consider it. But I've already I've already brought Robertson in. So that'd be silly. That'd be silly mm. of me. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Should we do our clean sheet cup for the week? How did we do yeah. last week? Last week, we didn't get any points. I mean, this week just gone. We didn't get any points. You said Liverpool away at Chelsea and I said foolishly Everton at home to Sheffield United. But the week before... Uh, you said Liverpool versus Newcastle. Obviously, Newcastle scored one goal. I, however... Oh, no. No, don't bring me this news. <laughs> said Southampton against Sheffield and Southampton won 1-0. Oh. So I did get a point. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. How did you say Southampton and not me? That sounds like one of the ones I would go for. And you went first as well and I was really annoyed. That's crazy. Um, and actually... Funnily enough, when we were talking about who we would pick this week, before I changed my mind to Everton, initially I said Newcastle Brighton 0 0. Oh, yeah. And then I changed it. I, yeah, um, I was actually quite surprised that that finished 0 0. I thought, I thought someone would win it, but then watching the game, it was very clear that no one was going to win. Yeah, but those. Actually, Sam Maximan was so good when he came on. Yeah. And he terrified the life out of me. Yeah. He doesn't deserve to... He deserves more than to be at Newcastle. Yeah, he, he's I a think. good player. But actually, like, his stats in France weren't very good. So, like, I think he's... Well, his stats in that game were better than everyone else's. <laughs> uh, from, like, a goal scoring and, like, assists point mm. of view, though. He's so... just so fast. Yeah. Like, as soon as he gets the ball, it's terrifying. Yeah. They, they're really banking on him adding the numbers to his game because it's a similar, like, a... Uh, Adama Traore at Wolves. Right. He's a similar sort of player in that he's great and like really fast and physical and threatening, yeah. but just never makes the right decision and never mm. scores or assists enough. Well, they did get, did get, assist did get an assist today. So, you know, that's maybe an improvement, but mm. you, you need him to be doing it more frequently, really. Let me see. I, do, I really want another Diop clean sheet. I'd really love that. I'm not sure if I can fit him in my team, though. It's got a. Can I really go Liverpool for the third week running? I, I feel like I'm just jinxing them at the moment. So I'm probably going to have to go for a little bit of an edgy one. I'll go for Crystal Palace against Norwich. That is quite edgy. Yeah. It's probably the one I feel most confident about here. That or Man City. What about you? I'm going to say Leicester. Oh, wow. Yeah, it no makes person. sense. It makes sense. Uh, it's one of those where it's like. Leicester's inability to keep clean sheets versus Newcastle's inability to score like which is which is stronger we'll soon find which out which is a stronger negative so that has been our podcast I think have we got anything else to do other than like no. housekeeping stuff okay no uh yeah of course if you enjoyed this podcast please rate and review us on iTunes Apple Podcasts whatever they call it in your ends um we'd much appreciate it and you never know your review might even get read out on the podcast if you uh if you give us a real nice one uh you can also follow us on twitter at the denalysis and you can email us at the email address hello at the peace out people thank you very much for listening bye